Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hey, I'm Jimmy from Content Snare, and Content Snare makes it easy to collect information and documents from clients for things like onboarding um, or, yeah, just anytime you need answers from clients. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Remote Work Tribe podcast. Uh, Jimmy, can you maybe talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Content Snare? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I didn't really. Um, other people sort of, well, I mean, I kind of did, but um, we we had a agency years ago, like around, I'm going to say around 2014. Uh, and we, we've been in the software game for a little while before this. So we'd actually made two separate products before Content Snare and we missed it. We wanted to get back into something else. We wanted a bigger product than what we'd been building. Um, and we thought there was a big issue in like the briefing process for websites. So that was our original idea. I was like, I had this like cool idea to brief websites with like a Tinder style interface with like swiping and whatever. And um, I went and spoke to, it's like 15 ish agency owners, both like locally over coffee and, you know, on Zooms and stuff. God, that's like early days of Zooms back then. But uh, we just, well, I asked them about their process, like start to finish and f- like, kind of dug in whenever they had like, you know, where the biggest issues and problems they had were, like what was the most painful part of their process. And almost all of them spoke about content collection as being their biggest problem. So immediately, like I, I didn't see out my idea at all. It was just like talking about their problems. And uh, yeah, all of them kind of whinged or like complained that like content collection was like the worst part of their business. I got some crazy quotes out of that. Like people like said they were going to leave the industry because chasing clients for content was so bad. So the original version of content today was just made, made for website content um, for web designers and marketing agencies. That's, that's the initial idea. It's changed a bit since then, but yeah. So what's been the biggest change that you've had since then? Uh, Different industries. So um, we started, uh, like I said, with website content, and then we found people were using it for different things like onboarding questionnaires, like, because it is kind of anything you're using like a typical form for. And like, the way I describe content to people is like, if you're using a form for something or, or email, and it takes more than like five or 10 minutes for that person to complete, you should probably be using content snare because it's like a, you know, it allows them to come back in multiple sittings and reminds them and stuff. So since people kind of worked out that they could use our product for other things. Like right now, accounting, accounting is our biggest focus. Um, I wouldn't say it's like our biggest percentage in users right now, but it's our focus marketing, but then they use it for like document collection, um, client onboarding. So it's actually become more of like a client onboarding slash like information request tool. That's that, you know, it, it's still in at its core. A lot of the stuff it does is still exactly the same. It might just be like different integrations or like slightly different features that are a bit more general to not just website content anymore. I love it. And what's your current team structure look like today? All right. So as me and a business partner, I handle pretty much uh, like I would say I'm like marketing slash product and my business partner is product slash engineering dev. Uh, like we both, you know, collaborate on product, like whether that's um you know, planning priorities of new features and fixes and whatever. We kind of both do that. And then he handles the dev team and I handle essentially everything else. Like even admin, like a lot of my time is still legit admin, like paying invoices and stuff. Like uh, there's not a lot of time on that, but it's just because I I guess uh, from a team perspective or like a leadership perspective, whatever, I'm still doing things, a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. But um, 
So we've got three developers under my business partner. Uh, yeah, about to about to be four. And on my side, I've, there's um, Julio is on support. He's uh, like a full time support guy, and he helps out with like, like linking and some marketing stuff. Full time assistant in the Philippines, Bernie, and um, two writers that actually just came on a couple of weeks ago. Got it. And can you maybe speak a little bit to what your process is like when it comes to you know, hiring and making sure that you find people who are the best fit for your team. God, it, it's like the hardest part of running a business, I feel. Hiring and firing are the two worst things by far. And just team management. Like, you know, a year ago, in the last year, we've, you know, we, we've hired and fired and, you know, we're so excited. We spent so long sourcing two developers that we thought were like, you know, we thought we'd done everything right. And, and everything looks good. And it just turned out they just weren't a fit and we like, couldn't handle things that we gave them. And we've actually let them both go now. So I wouldn't say our hiring process is perfect. That said, like on the marketing side, it's normally pretty good. Like every time I deviate from my process and go get like, go like a gut feel like this person is going to be awesome. That's when I get burnt. <laughs> um, but the process, uh, I mean, do you want like, how much detail do you want here? Do you want me to go like start to finish? Like, <laughs> where do I go? Go for it. Yeah. So, I mean, process for marketers and um, writers. So I write the job description like a um, sales letter for sure. Like I really make it sound like we're awesome. I've got quotes like from our existing staff members about how awesome it is to work with us in there. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, this testimonials basically from our staff and making it sound like we're not like this awful corporate company and that we're kind of fun and whatever. And I get a lot of comments on our job descriptions, actually, like people in the applications, people comment on like how nice the job description was. Now that's a bit of many, many revisions to get to that point and copying things from other job posts that I like. And, you know, there's a lot of different bits and pieces that make that up anyway. Um, so that's the thing. It's like every, almost every job description I read is so boring. And so we try to be a little bit different and actually like not funny, but like at least fun <laughs> in a way. Uh, Cause like, you know, in, at the end of the day, we want other fun people. We don't want robots working for us and whatever. So yeah, that, that's like step one. I think that's really critical because that's like, if you want really good people that you want that to catch their eye. Um, yeah. So, but then I think my favorite part, what, what I've been doing for the last several hires is, um, so we, we asked for their resume on the form, but like, I never go with a standard, like, I don't know, like some hiring boards or job boards. I'll give you like his like standard questions. It's like resume and like two other things or whatever. And it's like, this just says nothing to me. So I had three open-ended questions that, you know, they could answer them in like two seconds or they could go hard and like really show who they are on, on that, in these questions. So they're usually something like one of them will always be like something that proves I've read the job description. So for a writer, it's like, well, even for a marketer, it's like, who are our, who's our target audience, you know? Um, describe who like who who you who will you be writing for essentially because like the last job post was specifically talking about accountants and bookkeepers so we wanted yeah they could just write accountants and bookkeepers but they a lot like the best applicants write a lot more uh in there and the same with um it's like what makes you a good fit that's a pretty standard answer but it's also standard question sorry but it also gives people a lot of room to really talk themselves up you know if they're just like oh I'm a really good writer Bye. You know, it's, it's no good. And then the other one is just like anything else you'd like to mention. So those three, 
I don't, the first pass of applicants, I don't even look at the resume. It's just those three questions because you can very quickly at a glance, see one, if they've read the job post, uh, how much effort they've put in, and then whether they're like, they've actually given you something that indicates that they are truly a good fit for this role. Um, So that first pass, you know, I mean, you can eliminate a lot of people really quickly on that. So that's, I guess, I don't know. The second pass then is usually like looking at sample articles or like, because I always ask for like, you know, give us a writing profile, give us some examples of writing. I I don't typically go on those because, oh God, like sometimes I will. Sometimes I just don't know if the person's actually written it because it's like ghost written or whatever. So God, like I will look at them and I'll look at the resume and then like sort of come down to a short list. And then sometimes I interview, honestly, sometimes I don't and just go straight to a writing test. It depends how many people I've got in that last pass where I'm like, I've got, you know, I don't want to interview like 10 different people or more. So I might just go give the first five a writing test and see if anyone just nails it. And then like, if they give them some, you know, feedback on that writing, that sounds like a little bit confrontational just to see how they deal with it. Maybe. And that's, that's it. That's kind of it from start to finish. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it kind of speaks, and I know we were chatting offline about how your last role where you were hiring for a writer, you had 800 applications in it. I'm guessing you're, the fact that your job descriptions are so well done and are so convincing and so persuasive probably mm-hmm. plays into that. But I'm guessing there's also a lot of the operational challenges that come with having to screen 800 people. What additional processes did you have at that point to make sure that you were maybe like, you know, finding the absolute best people within that pool of candidates. Yeah. It's, it's, it is difficult. And part of you has to let go and just like, because there's a big part of me that's like, oh my God, if I like don't accept this person, um, what if it turns out they're like the really good one? Like every single person, like, oh, what if they're, what if they're actually really good? What if they're really good? And you kind of have to let go of that and just go, look, this is my system. It's worked in the past, you know, yeah, you can come up with like tweaks to your system, but like, you know, I just have to be honest with myself and just, cause otherwise I'll just get stuck and like 800 applications, like you said, that it was insane. And I didn't feel like I could just like throw out, like I had to check every single one of them. Um, th- that's why eventually I turned the job post off before even the listing we'd paid for expired. Cause I'm just like, I can't handle any more of these, these, cause I was doing them as they came in like every few days. So it was Sometimes, you know, it'd be like a hundred at a time. And I was just like, it is crazy. But like, like I was saying, you get pretty good just like glancing at those three. The the fastest ones are like, you can see they gave, they just did give a crap. And they're like, so I use a five-star thing. So my first pass is, uh, it's in Airtable and it's like five stars. So it's really quickly for me to just go one star next. Like there's a there's a shortcut in on your keyboard. I can't remember what it is now. So just go to next record. So I'd literally be going like next record, one star, next record, one star for a lot of them, right? Because it's just like, you they haven't even read the description. Then you're like one, you know, if they've written a bit, you're like, oh, yeah, they didn't really get the point. Like three stars, four stars, four stars, five stars. And, you know, sometimes I might dip into the, like the four stars in the next pass. But in this case, we just had so many five stars that I was just like, I just need to forget that those other people have applied. Like I sent them an email being like, sorry, using Airtable automations you know, just in bulk, like I have a thing where I just select like a tick, all of them, and then Airtable just fires out all the emails for me. But yeah, I think, does that answer the question? Like that, that's really the first pass is just looking at those questions and going like down star rating, down, down, down star, down star, down star, for like a lot of things as fast, kind of as fast as I can. Sometimes, you know, I might spend, 
up to a minute on one person if they're really good but a lot of them it's like literally five to ten seconds is, is all you need because you can see they just didn't even try yeah i like to call those a spray and pray applicants where you yeah. just clearly tell they're just trying to apply to you know x number of applications every single day and i'm like yeah well that's might work for you but like generally speaking yeah. we both run really small businesses we both run small businesses and like you want people who actually care enough to be like oh they care about this job and not just getting any job yeah exactly right exactly right and because some people would really focus in and be like oh look i'm not an accountant like and actually this is several hires ago we were hiring for a support role and the very first person who applied, she was like an 18-year-old girl, which I didn't know at the time. I just, she ended up being like one of the best people I've ever worked with. Mind-blowing how she was so awesome at 18. I couldn't, anyway. But her application was like, I don't fit any of your things, but I'd really love to work with you for X, Y, Z reasons. Like, I don't have any experience in this. We hired her and she was by far one of the best hires I've ever made. Like, I mean, all of the people we work with now are like pretty amazing, I feel. But um yeah just crazy like that if if they're really if they really want that job they'll say it in the application if they're doing the spray and play pray you just yeah you know what a, a new issue this time was um this is the first time ever is gpt applications right so that was fun but like sometimes you'd see this big application and it's like wow like he's put a lot of effort into this he's even written like a a summary of our target audience and like whatever and like like a mini blurb for a landing page and i'm like hmm that sounds a little funny it sounds like it actually like a lot of gpt stuff sounds kind of robotic right just reading it i got a gut feel and i was like hmm. <laughs> ran it through one of those checkers and like of course like 100 ai content so i think like the next stage is going to be because i think this is only going to get worse the next i'm going to have to create an automation that says like when someone applies automatically run this stuff through a checker and then like put the score back in the air table so you can quickly see at a glance. Shared the exact same thing when I hired my ops coordinator. So I think we were kind of chatting offline about this where it's like, mm. oh, I could definitely tell this was like a month after ChatGPT went out and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I now mm. need to, you know, run every single response through an AI tool. Do you have any sort of automations or any sort of favorite AI detector tools that you're using these days? No, like it's, I'm really bad at this. Like, cause, cause I haven't needed it too much. Right. Um, every time I need one, cause I forget all the names of the tools. I literally just Google AI detector, AI content detector and click a few, like, cause I can see they're all purple. The ones I've been to before and Google links, I just go bang, 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 bang. Cause I'll run the same bit of content through like four or five of them just to see, cause some of them will be like, yeah, this is probably AI. And the others are all like, no. And I'm like, I know it's not AI. So sometimes there are false detections there. I, I probably, what I'll end up doing is just paying, like, especially if I need to do this in bulk for an application, I'll just pay for one of them, like whatever, originality.ai, because I know that one's a paid one and I haven't, I haven't used that because I just didn't like, I'm literally just, I've, I've used it probably like 10 times, right? So I haven't needed it in bulk yet, but that's what I'll do is find out what an actual good paid one is and run everything through that next time. If when I'm doing it in bulk like that, I know there's actually, a, I, I can't remember the name of it. I could probably dig it up, but I found there's actually a tool that's like specifically for hiring writers and you can give them like a small writing test, you know, like, which like I generally try to pay for the writing tests and, and make it like a full project, but there is a way to like get a, just get them to write something small. You know, it could be like what describe our target audience or something and um, in X amount of words. And then they have to do that as part of the application and it'll also detect AI on the back end of it. So there's, there's actually a dedicated tool for that. I'm sure you probably know about it already. 
that's super smart. And I definitely agree with you that I think AI is going to play a bigger role in terms of job applications and mm. hiring processes. And I don't necessarily think particularly HR folks are thinking as much about that as they should be. <laughs> it's a bit sad. Like, man, the, like a lot of this GPT stuff makes me sad. Just like the stuff people are doing, thinking it's actually like really good. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> this, I feel like, I hope this all comes back to bite people. I feel like oh, it will in a lot of cases. Um, but yeah. I don't know if you can want to speak on this on the record, but like, what are some of the, you know, what are your views towards like chat GPT and AI and where do you see the future of AI tools? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, someone summarized this really well. I'm trying to pull up my tweet like while I'm speaking here so I can like seamlessly move into the quote that I saw. Um, it was Colin Fraser, Colin underscore F-R-A-S-E-R um, on Twitter. Uh, he wrote a medium, a very big medium post about ChatGPT. And he, I just couldn't believe how well he, like it was exactly my thoughts essentially, but articulated in a way that I can't. And he said, as fascinating and surprising as it is, from what I can tell, it seems a lot less useful than a lot of people seem to think it is. I do believe that there are some interesting potential use cases, but I also believe that both its current capabilities and its future prospects are being wildly overestimated. That is a perfect summary of what I think. Like, I think it's pretty cool in a lot of situations. Uh, and there's a, some really, like, it is insanely impressive technology. Like when I can say, like, one of my favorite uses is when someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn with like a message and I say, hey, Bob sent, the, sent me this message about business coaching. Can you tell him, write him a poem to tell him I'm not interested or write him a haiku to tell him I'm not interested. My God, it is so much fun for those kind of things. But that is absolutely useless. Like that's a waste of my time because normally I just ignore them, right? But it's fun. Um, I find a lot of the stuff I'm doing with ChatGPT is fun more than actually useful like i've got it to write some excel formulas and it's screwed up pretty much all of them like that this is the problem it's, there's a lot of selection bias in what we're seeing on twitter and linkedin and whatever it's like you know, i've even done it like i've been like oh i found this like really cool use case of like pulling out the most impactful quotes from our transcripts of um customer case studies and like it nailed it once or twice and then sometimes it started telling me like random quotes from like Gandhi and stuff. I was like, what is going on? So yeah, it's, it's a lot of times I, get, I find if I get it to write content, if I'm getting it to write anything, I usually spend more time editing it. So the, sorry, then I've said, if I just started writing it from scratch. So if you've got something in your head that you want to write, I think it almost never helps. Like if you, if, if you're really good at the topic, I guess, or, you know, you've got like a, but if you don't have, a, if you don't know, like, and you, you've got like writer's block and you want it to just start, I think that's a good use case. I think outlining is a good use case, like, or maybe finding some extra things you didn't think about. Like if I'm going to write a post about what, how accountants should do client onboarding, what are some things I should talk about? You know, whatever. So like little idea things like that, I find it pretty good at, but for the most part, yeah, I'm like, I'm really exactly what Colin said. I just think it's being overestimated. I don't know where this is going in the future. God, I, and I'm almost finished here. I know I'm on a bit of a rant. I just, I feel like we're at the, you know, the 80% or something. And the last 20% is going to take so, so long. Everyone thought we'd have perfect self-driving cars by now. We're like not there. And a lot of people in the industry actually say like, it's a lot further away than everyone seems to think it is. And people like Elon Musk are saying it is, you know, and I was that guy. Like I was like, oh man, like by, I thought by now we'd for sure have self-driving cars. Like I, I kind of believed it all. And I was like, they're going to be safer than humans. And now that I've like dug into it more, I'm like, oh God, there's just so many scenarios where it's not 
going to be good enough and you kind of need it to be. <laughs> so yeah, that's what, how I feel about AI. I think we're at like this 80% thing where it's like really good, but that last bit where it to be really, really useful is going to take a long time. I couldn't agree more with you. I think there's definitely <laughs> some amazing use cases and I just learned a few and I just took some notes of, on my phone on some <laughs> of those where it's like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to totally steal that plug mm. it into LinkedIn and basically spit out poems for all of the <laughs> link builders who pick the link builders and the AI tools. Cause yeah. I'm getting one of those now too, that I'm just yeah. like, cool. I'm like, I'm going to totally, instead of just ignoring them or saying I'm not interested, I'm going to just give them a poem. Yeah. It's, That's it's fun. fun. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Like it is really fun for some silly things like that. I think I've, I've heard some SEO guys talk about it as well. I think it was the Authority Hacker podcast. They had a good episode on it recently with like some some interesting ideas for SEO, like getting it to say like, you know, what are the, I'm going to write a thing about horse riding or something. Like what are the top types of horse sports, you know, ordered by popularity, whether it's getting it right or not. Maybe it's ordering by popularity based on what it's learned or how much it's read, or it could just be flat out making it up, which it does sometimes. But like, and you don't know right you never know what it's making up and what it what it's not but um so i think there are like cool things like that where it's like just lists ideas and, and whatever but to, just to see if there's anything you missed yeah i mean i can just speak to myself where it's like i've used it a lot for coming up with some questions and if i have like a specific keyword that i'm already going after and i want to figure out additional keywords tied to it mm. like it's really good for building out like a list and questions of things that you might want to think about when it comes to either FAQs or like additional keywords to go after, like yeah. way faster than I do it on my own before using AI tools. But to your point, like there's so much stuff within AI tools that is like a ChatGPT in particular doesn't cite its sources. So like mm. you have no idea where they're pulling this information from, which is <laughs> kind of important. And two, like it gets a lot of things wrong. And it the thing that makes it even more dangerous is that when you put someone who doesn't know a topic writing about the topic and they're using an AI tool, they don't necessarily know it's going to be wrong because <laughs> it sounds right. Yeah, which is why there's like this whole like AI content plus fact checkers on the top. But, you know, I still don't, I don't know. I still think a lot of the time you're better, better off using just a, a straight writer. You know, like I, I don't know. I'm not convinced of the productivity gains in a lot of scenarios. Um, I think, you know, if you're a bad writer or like a, lower than average writer then probably gpt is gonna <laughs> be about the same as you as, as like as that level but if you've got a decent writer like i don't know i think they're pretty they can be very very fast and productive and i don't know how much extra time jet gpt really knocks off the top totally yeah. i i share the same and also the other thing you have with ai and i will stop on my rant is that if everything is ai generated suddenly you blast any sort of brand personality, any sort of thing. And you're just basically the sea of sameness of more and more copycat content, mediocre content. So that's the nature of AI. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think the smartest people, like the people who are using AI properly now as a big part of their content process are not, well, I would hope they're not, you know, writing entire posts like that. They might just use it for individual sections. And I can see that, you know, like, you know, you write, need to write a section of a post and it's like, you know, write me something about this. And then you just, you might take some ideas or rewrite it. I, again, I think rewriting it is is so, it's actually worse for productivity. I think it's more about like getting the ideas and then just writing it, writing it yourself from scratch, um, just with 
you know, some of the ideas or, or getting it to reword something like that's pretty cool. Like getting it to go, like, I, I can't, I need a simpler way to say this stuff I've already got. So you've got your brand voice then, right? Like, or you've got your opinion or you've got like, so you've then injected something that's not just crap AI content. And then you're getting it to reword it into a simpler fashion. Like, I think that that could be kind of cool use case Um, and, and like summarization or so, so when there's existing content and you're getting it to pull stuff out of that i think that's an amazing use case like i was saying before without um transcripts of case studies like yeah a lot of times it's screwed up but if you ran it a few times i think it's actually would save me time because i don't have to read through this entire transcript to pull out all the best quotes that someone said and that actually got me really excited because i could we could run this on all the um, transcripts we've ever had from customers to just pull out best quotes without someone having to dig through them all like that's amazing yeah, absolutely. And shifting gears a little bit hmm. um, to a completely different topic, but it's like something that I think you're really good at is delegating and empowering your team to kind of take ownership over like, you know, whole projects or whole task. Can you maybe speak a little bit to kind of your philosophy to how you kind of get your team aligned on the same page and kind of get yourself out of some of the day-to-day weeds? I mean, a lot of that comes down to the person you hire, right? So and a lot of that comes down to how much you're paying them <laughs> also. So actually like, you know, I guess that's changed. I, I, I'm still, I wouldn't say we pay a crazy amount because we're still, you know, startup and self-funded and whatever. So, but like, I definitely am not looking for the cheapest people anymore, whereas I used to be. And so like paying a little bit more and looking for that kind of attitude in people, I think is where you like, and that's in the job post, you know, like you'll be expected to kind of run stuff yourself you know, with content writers, I want to give them a topic and have them do everything else. Right. And like, so some people are like, I don't want to source images. I'm like, well, like it doesn't take that long. Take a couple of screenshots and whack it in the post. And it's, it's probably more efficient you doing it than trying to pass it off to someone else to source the images. And so things like that, I mean, it's, it's really just communicated and the attitude and like noticing the attitude of people. Yeah. And in day to day, this is pretty hard. I guess it's like, I don't know. You might think I'm better at this than I think I am. <laughs> but, I mean, I to this point, we haven't really found anyone like that can ho- manage like a whole, you know, I don't have like a marketing manager or something where I've just been like, I want you to increase signups, go. <laughs> like I've never, I just haven't found that right person. Like we, we've had marketing people in the past, but they were like, they kind of wanted tasks and like things to be given. So again, I think that's like a, a type of person. I think we just like missed the mark on who we hired. Um, with writers, I mean, it's, I kind of spoke about that already, but like with a support team, it's, it was just a, a matter of like letting them run with stuff. I think, um, I don't remember the quote on this, but there's like a thing where you, there's like three stages where you get them to do something with you and then, uh, or like, or you just do it and show them, sorry. And then you do it together and then you let them go away and like, and run it and that's kind of and you might just tweak them and that's essentially what we did for support like it was um you know at at first it was me just doing support on video because it's async we're in different time zones so they will i just record videos of me doing support and then they could ask questions later and then it was like they would draft 
replies to support requests and then someone would check them over and correct them or and say yep you're good to send and then in the end it was just let them run and sometimes they get things wrong and you just go actually just maybe tweak that little bit and tweak that a little bit so i don't know it was getting to that stage of just trusting them to do it and and letting them run as fast as you can but a big part of that again is having the right person that can actually do that yeah, absolutely. And you said something really interesting, kind of at the start of what you were talking about, where it's like, you used to hire some of the cheapest people, and then you started to realize, hey, to pay a little bit more to get the mm-hmm. right person in those seats. Can you maybe speak to a little bit of like, so what was kind of that like aha moment where it made you realize, maybe I should just be, you know, finding people who maybe cost a little bit more, but are going to save me so much time and headaches down the line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was straight up when we earned more money, like when we could afford it. Like I know when you're first starting out in business, that's really hard. And But, you know, if you don't have the money to hire someone, that said, I think there's a big mindset thing there. Like I think I've always had a mindset of trying to not be cheap, but like be very cost effective. And sometimes that can end up blowing more of your time than it's worth. Like you, you can still find plenty of people that charge a lot of money that are not very good at what they do. <laughs> so, but you just, it just opens your pool up a little bit more. And like, you know, the first time, you know, where, like I hear people for like paying like, like, you know, a hundred, 200 bucks for articles. And I like, none of ours are that cheap anymore. Really like they're, this is the big, the big thing that changed for me is going full-time versus working with like a freelancer or someone who's only doing a little bit of time sorry sorry not necessarily full-time but at least dedicated time so 20 hours a week or something so a high amount because then they actually become part of your team and they i don't know it's just like when, when they're actually actively thinking about working with you all the time rather than just having like you're just like one client they're working with that's that was a huge difference in our business because it's like now now it actually feels closer and like i feel like we get a better output but the other benefit of of that is generally someone full-time is a lot cheaper per hour, right? If you're working with a freelancer, you know, you could be paying 80, hundred bucks an hour where it's like, you know, the same, you can have someone full-time for, you know, work might work out. There's like 25, 30 an hour sometimes like that can be the difference. And so, yes, you've got to commit to this like huge, well, it feels like a huge cost, but, to me it's just a matter of justifying it like it's like okay if if it's a marketer like how much how many people do they need to bring in additional to now to justify their like to break even essentially and sometimes that'll be a lot less than than you think originally so um i know i've like detoured a little bit from the original question here there wasn't like no particular aha moment but it's just over time you start noticing that like when you don't have to micromanage everybody if you're getting the right people that can just run with stuff instead of like having to be assigned tasks constantly, like it just changes everything. You're like, Oh, like I've, I've just been away. Like I haven't even talked to that person for three days and like stuff's been happening. Like, Whoa, (laughs) I don't know. Before when we were hiring cheapest people, it was never like that. Yeah, absolutely. And have there been any books, courses, coaches, Mm -hmm. anything like that that have really helped kind of change your mindset to really think about, you know, hiring as an investment. Uh, not really. Um, that's probably not the answer you, you want. I guess I just consume a lot of different stuff, you know, through podcasts, through, yeah, it is books, but, and also just like on Twitter and like LinkedIn and which is just like builds up to a picture of what I want to do. And then a lot of the time it probably doesn't even sink in until I actually do it. You know, like I, I'm sure I read 
all the stuff that I've done along before I actually did it. And was just like, oh yeah, we can't, you know, we can't afford that or like we can't do that or whatever. And then you do it and you're like, oh yeah, I should have done that a long time ago. Someone even told me to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, not really. It's just like consuming stuff, um, trying to learn from various sources regularly. Yeah, absolutely. And shifting gears a little bit, obviously you're in Australia, your team is global. By kind of definition, you had to become an async first team due mm. to time zones. Are there things that you put in place to make asynchronous comms work really well and ensure that your team is all on the same page? Yeah, I mean, that's still a work in progress, although we've been doing it for a long time now. Funny, funny you mentioned that. Like, I'm going to Europe in a little while, and um, I'll be meeting our lead developer who's been working with us since 2014, and I've never met him in person. So that's how remote first we are. You know, like, this guy's, what was that, like, how many years is that? It's like seven years he's been working. No, 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 sorry, nine years. <laughs> it's nuts. Like, I mean, we're just using Slack like everybody else. We do try to get on the on like video calls with people maybe once a week just to i mean my business partner is really adamant we have to keep doing that like i'm a big like oh more meetings what do we need meetings for but there is something in that like just having that one overlap of time a meeting a week that just like you know just chatting to them and talking about project stuff it i think it does add some level of like you know humans to the team so it's not just like names on a page which it can become if you're just using slack all the time as for systems hey it's not really like again it's just the people we hire we we hire people that are able to work remotely and, and not everyone is like this right there are plenty of people who are just absolute rubbish at, like they cannot work from home and all remotely or whatever and yeah i've got friends like that who have like real jobs i guess <laughs> you know it's like i just they they say that they can't work from home. They have no, they can't be productive, whatever. So, but it's just, it's all about finding people that are able to just thrive on their own and get stuff done. And yeah, we don't really have systems for that at all. We just use Slack, you know, try to not just make it all work, you know, have try to have a little bit of fun in the general sort of that we have a check-in channel that everyone's supposed to check into each day and might just you know, throw some it's like it's just nothing crazy it's like you know throwing in some funny gifts and what we did on the weekend and whatever and it's just everyone sort of works just because of the people we work with i guess yeah and i'm guessing a lot of it is the fact that i'm assuming you hire people you've worked remotely before and it's not their first time <laughs> that's a good point I, I assume so it's not something i've ever checked for yeah, like we just, and it's a classic like hire slow, fire fast thing that I don't know, like I, I try to hire fairly quickly too. But, you know, if someone is not working out, it's pretty obvious pretty quick and you just have to bite the bullet and move them on. So that's uh, not because, yeah, like it's it's normally pretty clear, right? So and not everyone, like I said, not everyone's good at it. And you just, it is hard. Like hiring is by far the thing I hate the most in business, but Sometimes you just got to do it and until until you find the person that is the right fit. I would say probably what's even harder than hiring is letting somebody go. What are some Oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah, like firing. Yeah. Firing is, sorry, F. Hiring with an F. <laughs> firing <laughs> is, is yeah, that is, that's what I think is like the hardest part for sure. What are some things that you have to like maybe convince yourself that, hey, this person isn't working out and like not to let it drag on for months or even years in some cases, like. What are some things that you've had there and how do you go about letting a team member go when it's clear that they're not working out? I'm not very good at it. I'll say that for one. Um, but I mean, it is just like, 
sometimes just being honest with a touch of, you know, you don't want to insult them, <laughs> but, but just being like, Hey, look, I don't think we work well together. You know, it just is what it like, I don't know. Like I, I don't beat around the bush. I just say, Hey, look, this is what I'm thinking. I just think, yeah. Well, like, and sometimes it is just like, here's your end date. Sorry. Uh, you know, you don't like, don't have to work that out. If you don't want, you don't, you don't have to, well, actually normally, normally when we let someone go, we'll just pay them out and, and just say that they finished today and that's it. Like, it's really, that's it. Um, I think, what have I done in the past? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not very good at this question because it is, it's such a hard thing for me. It is insanely hard. Every time I go to do it, I go back and forth for ages um, I'm with myself for for days or whatever and like how am I going to word this and I draft it out and then I make sure it's okay and then I just send it and most times people are good about it one, one thing I did here a really good quote actually I think Mad Singers um said it to me I don't know if it's his quote or someone else but it's like if uh if someone on your team leaves and you feel relieved you should have fired them sooner and so that's something I've been thinking about a little bit lately like everyone on my team is fine but like previously i was like yeah like would i be relieved if that person left <laughs> and if the answer is yes you should probably fire them <laughs> um you apply the same thing for clients actually that's kind of funny because i was thinking about that after he said it and i was like you could apply this to a lot of things like if you didn't have to do xyz anymore would you be relieved then like stop doing it <laughs> Yeah, that's like a really good, really simplistic advice where it's like, hey, yeah. if you feel relieved not working with that person or doing that task, like maybe you should stop doing that. Not obviously that's not always possible, but a lot of times it's a good heuristic. Yeah. Do you have any additional kind of feedbacks on how you handle like, you know, performance reviews and giving feedback to your team so that they are, you know, growing and wanting to continue to work with you. I mean, the fact that you've been working as a developer for nine years speaks volumes to you guys, to you as a leader. But like, what are some things you do to make sure that you are, you know, empowering your team and they are growing in their roles? Yeah, also not probably something we're very good at. <laughs> I don't know. Like, again, it's just attitude and the people we hire. So we're happy for people to, we're very open, like relaxed on letting people take time off or whatever. And sometimes that might mean, like we'll pay for them to go. Like if they want to go to some like Ruby on Rails event, we pay for it and like, you know, let them take their girlfriend or whatever and send them out to dinner. I guess like, so So we're happy to pay for education and and sometimes encourage it. And also really, and this is, this is communicated from the very beginning, like in the job post. It's like, we want you to push back on stuff if you think it's we're doing something dumb. Like don't, Again, this is all part of that same attitude. We're not someone looking for task based. We're look that wants to just task all the time. We're looking for someone who wants to, you know, contribute and be like an awesome member of the team. And that includes telling us when we're doing something dumb. And like if we're going to build a feature, we ask for input. You know, it's like we want to do this, and we don't really have to ask anymore with our devs um, because it's just like they know. They'll be like, nah, we like we should do it this way or like whatever it's the same as like um support and everyone like when someone first comes on you obviously need to say that a little bit more and just be like hey do you think this is the right way to do things or whatever so it's not just like go do this thing even though i'm expecting them to push back at the beginning they're not going to do that right because they're like you're the new boss or whatever so 
you have to be like, hey, like, do you think there's a better way to do this or whatever? Like framing it that way. So it's not like they're like shitting on what you said, you know, like just always being like that. That's kind of how our team grow. I think it's, yeah, there's, it's not rocket science. Yeah, that's such a good point. We can, I could probably continue to chat about this for a while. But before we wrap, I wanted to ask a couple of lightning questions. Sure. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose and why? <laughs> uh, I'm probably not the right person for this because I like I feel like I don't have um, a lot of like role models where I'm like, oh yeah, I wish I'd like met that person. God, maybe Churchill. I don't know. I just kind of made that up because he's like I, I'm into war history and he's a, he's a very prominent figure. <laughs> yeah, I'm like interested. I'd be interested to hear what other people say to that because like that. Who's yours? <laughs> Good question. I um I have multiple, but I I always like to ask other people what their mm. figure is. And another question that's probably a little bit easier to answer is if you were to win a hundred million dollars tomorrow, so one hundred million tomorrow, mm-hmm. what would you spend it on? Hmm uh wait like do i when you say spend it am i like blowing it like is that is it the plan or what am i just I doing with keep it? it completely open it okay well, and i've I mean, gotten i've now asked this question probably 20 percent of the times mm-hmm. so i love to kind of see other people yeah okay well i mean if if i came even like a tenth of that is the same answer it's well my, my, the only thing is so a lot of it's getting invested a big chunk of it's getting invested getting my dream house which i'm going to do at some point anyway so it's just get that out of the way invest the rest but yeah sorry that's boring as shit but you know like my dream house here and was because australia's expensive as hell it's probably like four to five mil so that you know and then the anything left over well i'd love for my parents to not have to work anymore you know like and just be able to do whatever they want and then it would also be like me doing whatever I want and my wife doing whatever they want. Like, it's, it's funny. People always say, because that, that's essentially my my goal, right? Is to have a cash out at some point, maybe, I don't know, like, or just live off the, you know, the business forever or whatever. But like, if you have a cash out, people are like, oh, you're going to have to do some kind of work again in the future. I'm like, have you heard of hobbies? Like, I'm not going to get bored. There are so many things that I want to do. Like, I want to get heavy into drone flying and like more photography and god like there's just hobbies so many hobbies that would you would not get bored like i, I wouldn't make any of them an income source because then you'd ruin the hobby yeah that, i think that's and, and just maybe helping like maybe coaching people probably for free <laughs> like sticking with like automating stuff for people because that's really fun i used to do that as a as a business but um yeah, I don't mind like giving people like if, if I didn't have to work, I think I'd do that as well as like help people automate stuff. Awesome. Good answer. It's been really, really great chatting with you, Jimmy. Where can listeners of the Remote Work Tribe podcast find you online? Twitter is probably one of the best is underscore Jimmy Rose. Um, you can also search James Rose on LinkedIn because I haven't that's my actual real name. Um, they're the two places I'm the most active. Obviously, our product contentsnare.com if you want to go check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jess. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.